This is a Triple J podcast. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Summer Hack podcast. There's this interview I did earlier this year that I still think about all the time. And it always pops into my mind because a friend will say to me, hey, I'm thinking of going skydiving or I I just went skydiving and it was incredible. I'll see something on Instagram, a friend jumping out of a plane. I saw it the other day, looked incredible. And I always remember at that time, this chat from earlier this year with Brad Guy. Like a lot of people, Brad got a skydiving voucher for a birthday. Maybe you just got one as a present. It is a wild gift to give someone, exhilarating, extravagant. And it's a way a lot of people like to force themselves to feel alive by taking a massive risk, jumping out of a plane. And it goes right pretty much all of the time. Ten years ago, Brad redeemed his skydiving voucher. He got all his friends and family together, drove to Victoria's beautiful Yarra Valley, got the safety briefings, and then went up in the plane. But soon, Brad and his instructor were falling 15,000 feet at 80 k's an hour, and their parachute was not opening. They didn't open. Somehow, incredibly, Brad Guy survived this, survived free-falling out of a plane and landing without an open parachute. As you can imagine, he was left with a lot of trauma to work through, post-traumatic stress disorder, and now Brad spends his time helping others by talking about this. He's written a book about what it's like recovering from this kind of trauma, and when we did this interview for Hack, the interesting thing for me was how many people were touched by it and said this really hit with them that they live with PTSD for all kinds of reasons. It's a lot more common than you think. And there are some good strategies that Brad talks about in this interview that resonated with people for how to live with PTSD, overcoming trauma. Here's my interview with Brad Guy. Summer Hack. Brad Guy, welcome to Hack. Thanks for having me. I know it's really difficult to speak about. This whole book is about dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. But I'm hoping you're going to be able to take us back to that day for people listening so we get an idea of who you were, how you were feeling. What was going through your head as you were up in that plane and you were about to jump? Look, I was definitely nervous. The entire day I was anticipating, I was anxious. There was kind of this undercurrent of impending doom. I could just feel this uneasiness and I put it down to just doing a thrill-seeking activity. I'd done a lot of stuff like that before, done bungee jumping, hot air balloons, all of that. So doing skydiving was a really natural progression for a thrill seeker like I was at that stage of my life. And as we're approaching the edge of the plane, and this plane is small, it's rickety, there's no seats in it, you definitely feel the height. And I was nervous. I was a nervous wreck. But just put everything down to this is an extreme activity. So of course, I'm going to have these feelings. And the instructor is edging me closer and closer to the side of the plane where we're about to jump out. And he points a GoPro at my face. And of course, I make a dark joke. He says, any last words? And I say, yeah, hope my parachute opens. Little did I know what was actually going to happen. And that's when we began our free fall outside the plane. How did it feel at first? It's euphoric. It's an amazing feeling. You feel like you're falling, and it sounds really obvious, but the weightlessness and the velocity that you're falling, it's an amazing feeling. 
And during the safety briefing, we were told that it would last about seven or eight seconds. And once that time had come up, I didn't feel us slow down. I was told that there would be a huge thrust as the parachute opens because there's a real velocity shift. You're really slowing down when the parachute opens. And I didn't notice any slowing down at all. In fact, I noticed shaking. And that's when I was able to look up as we're falling and I see two parachutes tangled amongst each other. And with all this shaking, the violent moving, I'm nearly out of my harness, a shoe comes off. That's when I knew that we were going to die. I'd accepted it even in that moment. In that moment. So you've just come to the conclusion that this is it, something horrible is wrong and you say you've already accepted that you're going to die. Absolutely. I felt the panic. I could hear my instructor shouting. He's just yelling at me, keep your feet up, keep your feet up, keep your knees up because he didn't want me to fall out of the harness and I can feel him scrambling behind me. There's elbows and hands and it looks like he's trying to maneuver the parachutes and we're also shaking so much that I'm extremely disoriented. The only thing I can see is the ground coming towards me and I can't, I can't say for sure how long that fall was. It, it felt like forever, but it was probably the quickest thing because we're falling so fast. But I accepted it because I didn't really see these parachutes opening. Uh, I could feel the panic. I could feel the fear. It was all very physical. But the lasting feeling even then, which is so weird to reflect on, is the guilt I felt. My entire family were there to watch me on that day. We made a family day out of it. And I've got three sisters, their husbands, my mum and dad, my niece and nephews, my boyfriend at the time. All of them were there and they were convinced I was dead too because they were watching me free fall. So even as I've accepted death, they've accepted my death, all I felt was overwhelming guilt. That's such an unusual thing to feel that people might not think would be the first kind of emotion that you'd be experiencing in a moment like that. You're falling at 80 k's an hour. What's the strongest sense you can remember? Because you said it was a really physical experience. Is it what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're feeling? Hearing, for sure. That's a really powerful one. I remember hearing the screams of my instructor giving me instructions and the the panting, the breathing, the yelling, the, the grunting, trying to get this parachute to open and the wind as well. Just the sound that that wind was making as it's just fighting these parachutes, that, that's burned into my brain forever. And that's, they're, they're the triggers that stay with you for the rest of your life. Even 10 years later, I can viscerally remember how it sounded, what it looked like and even the physical sensations, all of it, it's literally part of my DNA now, it feels. And what was happening in those final few seconds? Just knowing that it was over, I, I knew it. I could feel it. I had accepted it. And I think that's why the guilt came so quickly. And it is hard for people to understand the guilt. And I get frustrated that it's misunderstood, but I totally get why. I felt like I burdened myself with this and I burdened my family by convincing myself I brought them there to watch me die. And in those last few moments, the guilt just swept over me. But once we made impact and we bounced, we landed on the embankment of a lake on a golf course. It was just complete agony. It was searing, searing pain. The, the sensation was like my spine was being ripped out of my body. 
it was it was indescribable. I felt cracked, cracked open. I was broken. And when we landed, I was gasping for air, could not breathe, was was extremely winded, couldn't feel the lower half of my body because we we're half in a lake with a parachute on top of us and strapped together. We couldn't move. The the temperature of the lake was so cold. This is the middle of Melbourne winter. I couldn't feel anything and my tandem instructor was unconscious. They were unresponsive. So I'm desperately grabbing onto them saying, wake up, wake up, please wake up, once I started to come to. And even then, in that moment, besides guilt, I was convinced I was a paraplegic and I was laying on top of a dead person and I felt responsible for his death. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with Brad Guy, who survived a skydiving accident 10 years ago and has written a book called, you know, Freefall. It's about dealing with life afterwards, post-traumatic stress disorder. Brad, people are going to be asking, how did you survive? Like, what did the instructor do? He was able to get us to a landing that didn't have a lot of obstruction. And a lot of these details were extremely fuzzy to me. And through doing the book, I had to tick everything off my list. And one thing was reuniting with my tandem instructor, who is someone that would rather stay private. So I just try to keep the story to myself and I keep their injuries and their personal details to them. But they saved my life that day. And that's something I only learned when I caught up with them for the first time after nearly 10 years a few months ago. He told me how he was able to do it and it was just through sheer complete luck that he got us to a place where there was no trees or no fence or no road. But even then he said it was a complete miracle that he was able to do it because the shaking and the velocity at which we were falling made it extremely difficult to get a handle of where we were going. So it's hard to know what variables really went into play to make us both survive. But I think he he had a really big part in at least getting us to the best chance of survival that we could have. Brad, what were your injuries? I broke most of my upper spine uh, and fractured some of my lower half and I tore the ligaments in my neck as well as a bunch of cracks and bruises and sprains. But I've, I lost count of all of those. For me, it was just the broken spine and the, the torn neck. Yeah. Brad, you write in the book, when people talk to me about the skydiving incident, they invariably think of the four, I think of the recovery, which often feels like it's never ended. When did you realise that the injuries and the changes that you suffered were not just physical? Because you had to learn to walk again, right? But there were mm. other things. You had changed in different ways. Everything had to had to start again for me. Before the accident, I felt like I was on the, the precipice of the rest of my life. I was 22, had just gotten into an amazing new relationship after coming out and coming to terms with myself always wanted to work in radio and got an amazing new job in the city, was going to move from the country. Everything was just going so well and I was so excited to start my life and everything derailed. So I knew very, very early on that I wasn't going to be the same and I started grieving the old Brad pretty instantly while I was in hospital, I would say. And coming to terms with that, it... I was mourning like this parallel universe version of myself that was never going to fulfill their dreams. That's what I'd convinced myself of. When I finally got home from hospital, that's when the the darkness started to set in. I was in a neck brace and back brace for four months. I was on Oxycontin and Endone, very hectic painkillers. And literally for that four-month period, 
didn't leave my bedroom. I was rotting. Didn't know what time of day it was. Didn't want to see anyone. Wouldn't talk to my boyfriend. Became a burden for my family. Mum and dad had to look after me. They had to feed me, take me to the bathroom. The PTSD being constantly triggered. Every time I tried to fall asleep, I was falling. I could feel myself falling. Crazy night terrors where mum would have to come in and console me after I've ripped my bedroom apart. All of this just was overwhelming. And I eventually did lose the will to live, but I was just inspired to continue going on because I didn't want to continue to be a burden to my family because I literally felt like I was a waste of space. It was complete self-loathing afterwards. I, I blamed myself and felt accountable for what I went through. Was it hard to kind of understand and accept that you were suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder? Because I guess it's something you hear a lot about, but you're never going to think it's going to happen to you. And when it does, it's probably a process of acceptance. For sure. I I felt like my rose-coloured glasses had broken that day. I, I became a real person, so to speak. I'd obviously gone through things before the accident and had to come to terms with a lot of things in my life, but nothing of this magnitude. And PTSD is so complex and so individual to the person. I couldn't just Google something like being scared after skydiving accident. N- nothing would come up. But what I did slowly start to discover after I got diagnosed with PTSD and depression and nightmare disorder, which is a type of sleeping disorder, that sort of clinical official diagnosis made me really come to terms with, holy shit, I've actually got some work to do. But what was really inspiring was when I started to look up my symptoms, when I was starting to feel better, was seeing that something like PTSD, even though the event might be different person to person, the consistency comes from how we react to it. We undergo a physiological rewiring when we under, when we go through something so traumatic. And I found connections with people who had gone through trauma because our reaction was pretty similar. We'd be overcome with fear. We'd be hypervigilant. There's this constant state of fight or flight. So that actually made me feel a lot less isolated knowing that there are people that, that might not have gone through a skydiving accident and free fell from 15,000 feet, but they've gone through other trauma and our reaction is actually the same. This is Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking to author Brad Guy about his recovery with post-traumatic stress disorder after surviving a skydiving accident. Is there still stuff that triggers you, Brad? Is there annoying stuff that happens that people do unintentionally? Is there stuff that is just happening in the environment that makes you kind of recoil or takes you back to a bad place? Yeah, totally. There was a stage where I couldn't even say the word skydive. I couldn't go into a balcony. I couldn't catch a plane. Everything caused panic attacks. And I've had so many episodes, whether it's at work or like on a tram, after a one night stand, whatever it is, I've had a panic attack everywhere. But triggers are part of my life. I couldn't hear wind. I couldn't wind the window down in my car without being triggered. Or people would just run up and go, boo, and scare me not knowing that that would actually send me into a complete panic episode and I would feel humiliated. But through years of practice, you get better at it, you get more direct with your feelings and it won't derail your life as much. But I'm not going to wish away the triggers because I did for so many years. I tried to get rid of it and be a fully complete finished product as a healed person. But that's never going to happen. But that's actually a beautiful thing. I want to continue to be a work in progress. Hey, Brad, I don't want to make too light of the situation, but I think we've all 
suffered a panic attack after a one-night stand. At least you've got a good <laughs> excuse for it. Oh, my God. That's, that's my next book. Yeah, we've all woken up and gone, ah, you yeah. you have a, a fair enough excuse, though, which, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's something. What's the one thing that you'd like people to know about you as someone who's been through this experience, lives with it still every day? Is there one thing in particular that you'd like to leave with people? It took me so long to believe this myself. And I think I only really came to this conclusion when I finished the book, but you are not what happens to you, but you are what you become. And I'm just feeling super proud of myself at every single stage of this process with the book. I still can't believe that I'm here and I feel so grateful just to be alive. My life's been such a blessing after just putting one foot in front of the other, all the blood, sweat and tears, learning to walk again. That's what I want to leave people with. You are not what happens to you, but you can be what you become. I'm not just that guy that went through that crazy experience and survived. I'm more than that. I'm a survivor and I want that to be my lasting legacy. I know this question's really annoying. You've written that it's kind of annoying when people ask. (laughs) I will ask. Have you thought about skydiving again? No. (laughs) Great answer. No. I I love the ground. I love the earth. I love Mother Nature. Here is where I belong. So I'm I'm good for now. Yeah, thanks. I bet you are. Brad, you're extraordinary. Your book is brilliant. Free fall. It's out now. Brad Guy, thanks so much for joining us on Hack. Uh, Thank you so much. Summer Hack on Triple J.